0: personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit hubspot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. Okay. Million dollar brainstorm. We're back. You've been in Hawaii. Tell us about that.
1: If you guys Google lobby conference, you'll see it. A lot of people write about it as if it's this douchey event, right. which it is it? definitely checks the boxes from the outside of being that. <laughs>
0: okay. What's well, douchey about it?
1: It's expensive and it's in Hawaii and it's a bunch of tech people. I don't think that's douchey, but it definitely checks many people's boxes. And
0: it's like exclusive, right? It's like, I think 50 It's like invite people, only. hundred people. Yeah. yeah, like a small so number.
1: It's like an invite only thing. So it definitely checks all the boxes. To fit that stereotype, it's called Lobby Conference. So, okay. how'd you get invited? One of my investors, Narendra, he referred me. Okay, so it's this uh, you, you can Google it to learn about it, but it's this event hosted by David Hornick, one of the partners at August Capital of VC. 150 or 200 people, invite only. They've done it for 13 years now. And the guys who were there on the first year, many of them are still there. And it's like internet OGs, like Tony Shea, the founder of Zappos, yep. was there. Kevin Rose. Kevin Rose, dig. I had dinner and hung out most of the time with Tim Westergen, founder of Pandora. Yep. Like all these guys who were like, maybe my age now but are in their 40s right who were still trying to have a hit and have now had some hits it was awesome it was great two takeaways yeah number one gen z totally they're fucked
0: <laughs> okay why uh,
1: we talked about like we there's this one were we, they there i don't think there's no there was z like there. we were, we had these like little meetups about uh, like and we would talk about interesting things gen z i didn't realize it. they're having very little sex they're doing a lot of drugs, but they're not drinking, and a lot of them have depression and mental
0: Gen Z is like 21 and younger right now.
1: Uh, maybe four 24
0: 24 and younger. Okay. Yeah, the
1: suicide rates high the depression rate is like astronomical a lot so of
0: who issues. was talking about this Who was like the Gen one Z woman expert.
1: who runs like a research firm for Gen Z? So it I was see. very okay. much like well, here's what the cool kids think right, like right. I realized that at that time I'm like an old guy who's like well, how do they use
0: <laughs> yeah things? exactly old people talking about young people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it never fails
1: <laughs> <laughs> Funny. I like I was like the youngest guy there people had Gen Z children And they were talking about it. Right, right. Okay, fair
0: uh, enough. So that was one takeaway. What's the second one? The
1: second thing, there was tons of like rich ballers there, like really wealthy. And a lot of them seemed just horribly like down, depressed, and not like that. If
0: you're young or if you're rich, you're depressed. That's what I'm learning. Well,
1: like, and this is something that's kind of like, I can't believe I'm saying this because everyone who's young hears this and no one believes it, which is that money will not make you as happy as you think it will. Right. I saw this firsthand very clearly.
0: What made you say this? So they're at this conference and they were just kind of recluse or what What made you feel this or they were sharing, well, like, look, I'm not feeling great.
1: First of all, yes. A lot of people, there was this one gathering. It was like a bunch of small sessions and people would complain about stuff, like say, here's what I'm struggling with. And you think that these people who have it all figured out, they definitely don't. right. People brought their families. and you see like the interactions that people have had with their husbands or wives or kids. And it's like Dude, this guy, on the surface, appears like this baller, but he just has, he's going through the normal bullshit that every right. family man is going through.
0: Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I have a I have a friend who's, I don't know how wealthy he is, but close to a billionaire. And he basically, he was talking about this, how he was feeling this way. And he's like, the problem is no one wants to hear about an unhappy billionaire. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, you will get zero listeners to that like talk. And he's like, so you end up just sort of bottling it up and going on your way.
1: What you're saying and what happened this past weekend and... I have a few friends that just sold, your friends too, just sold big companies and I was with one of them and we went to the ATM because he was like wanted to have like a celebratory where he like printed out his receipt, yeah, two hundred million dollars on the ATM receipt, wild, <laughs> a wild amount. And then we went and had dinner at like a Whole Foods, right. like uh, really <laughs> seven dollar, <cheap. laughs> yeah. Like we went to a grocery store, I think, and just ate on the patio. And he was stressed out. He was like, "What am I going to do with this?" And I was like, "Dude, when are people going to like chill?" And
0: there's see a Jim Carrey quote where he goes, "I wish everybody could be rich and famous, so they would know that that's not the answer."
1: Yeah, it's depressing.
0: This podcast is like all about building successful businesses called Million Dollar. I feel like half the conversations are like, yeah, money's not the thing.
1: I think we need to reiterate that, which is that it's not. It's just like if you're training for an event or training for l- weightlifting, you are no different from 150 pounds to 300 pounds in terms of like bench press. Right. It's just the act of pursuing that is yeah. Exciting. The act of
0: pursuing is is fulfilling in itself. And the other thing is when you have money, you have freedom. And but you don't need you need jobs less than you, money. Think, yeah, you think. Yeah, you need less than you think. But that freedom is very powerful. Okay, so let's do it. Ideas. What do we got? We promised the people some ideas. Talking about different trends. Talking about different ideas that we find interesting. You want to go first or me? You. Okay. OK, cool. All right. I have one. Have you heard of made bathrooms? No. OK, ma- these things called made renovations. All right. So I saw this ad on Facebook and basically it was like a before and after. And a before after is, in my opinion, the best sales pitch I've ever seen. Always. Right. If you split screen on the left, it's like this is you before on the right. This is you after. And so the left and right in this one were. Left was like a normal, ordinary, kind of crappy-looking bathroom, and on the right was like this really slick-looking bathroom. And it basically said, "We will come renovate your bathroom for X dollars, and it'll look exactly like this." I was like, "This is interesting. Like, I've never seen somebody advertise a bathroom renovation on Facebook." So I clicked it, and basically, what this company does is they have three stock designs, and they all look great. And so there's like a super modern one. There's kind of an old school Victorian-looking one, but again, very clean. There's like another one that's like what's the company called? Made bathroom. Made, yeah. And so all you do is you say, "Yeah, I want." That bathroom, <laughs> like you don't have to hire a contractor, go through ideas with them, figure out what you want for the sink versus the toilet versus the walls. It's
1: like no, no, this is the bathroom. Do you is want this, like this a, in your a house? Silicon Valley thing or like? A- I
0: don't think that they're super Silicon Valley centric. They are available here. I saw, but is I this th- like a
1: new startup? Like it's, it is a thing? startup. Yes, Got it up. is a
0: startup. So it's it's a direct to consumer turnkey renovation. And so most people who do home renovations want kitchens and bathrooms. Clearly, they're starting with bathrooms. Will probably expand to kitchens. The second thing they're taking all the thought out of it. I love that. This is a beautiful bathroom. Do you want this one, this one, or this one? We have three models. And then I thought, wow, because they only have three models, they're probably getting phenomenal prices, uh, you know, economies of scale on buying the the materials they need to do this. They're training contractors to like deliver th- the exact bathroom. And so they're probably training staff that's like just has to learn this one thing. And for the buyer, they're taking all the complexity of this kind of tangled project like, "Oh, do I want to do a home renovation so, right now?" Like, elimination they're making of it a choice. Easy. Elimination of choice. Okay, that, I, thought I think it was that should
1: work for haircuts, men haircuts, like barbers.
0: Yeah, when I go to the barber, I want to choose like I'm at subway be like, "Here's the 14, I'll take the number 12 yeah. large."
1: Everyone gets this, 80% of people get the same shit. They say, right. short on the sides, a little bit off the top. Right. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, I don't even know why they ask me. I'm like, just look at it and just yeah, make like, it shorter of Okay, this. so
1: what else could that work for? Where, like, you eliminate choices. I think interior design and renovation is, like, a great idea.
0: Yeah, it's just so complicated. I think travel is another one. So turnkey vacations. So if you knew, not just the flight, the hotel, the whatever. People do this. But, like, flight, hotel, and activities. Bundle it up, give you a price, and be like, okay, you've heard that the Bahamas is great. Here's Bahamas. If, if you want to just hit the buy button and just email people every week being like, here's Aruba, buy button. Here's, you want to go to Venice, here's the buy button. And I think eliminating the choice and the planning required to set up a vacation.
1: I think that's a cool concept. I'm going to think about that for a little while of what to start that where you eliminate choice. I mean, look, it goes both ways. Like the more products a company launches, the more money they make typically. But also a lot of times when you just sell one or two or three things, it makes life better and you can And do you can really deliver
0: well. on that service in a way that You can't if you have this like larger variety of choice and customizability. And so it won't work for everything. But if it does work for one thing, and I, th- I think it'll work for something like bathrooms and kitchens, that's a such a high ticket price thing that that could be a really big business. So I'm excited I'm about that. those guys.
1: Okay, something we covered on trends, and I experienced this weekend because people were talking about it. Cava bars, or yeah, kava. what is
0: cava? I've heard of. Okay, this. I, I've
1: done it. I lived in Australia for a little while. Fiji's like Australia's Mexico, so it's like we're <laughs> like it's like the Caribbean. Like
0: yeah, of course. Makes so sense. <laughs> I went to
1: Fiji for two weeks, and we hung out and we drank kava. It's like a a root. It tastes like dirt. And you mix it with water, and we would just sit around a circle with the folks who lived in the Fijians, and we would drink it, and it gives you a mild high effect. It, it kind of felt a little bit like weed, yep. where you're like chill, and people loved it. Immediately, when I went home from Fiji, I wanted to buy some more, and it was really hard to buy it.
0: And, but what's the experience? You said tastes a little bit like dirt. It it's tastes bad. It's a drink. and It's a communal
1: thing. You sit around. Okay, so it's
0: like hookah in a way. or so Are you passing it or it's something?
1: It's like hookah, but it definitely gives you a small high gives you a small high. it's just okay. like smoking weed with your friends right. <laughs>
0: so on, on a scale of like i don't know is it like a cigarette is it less than weed is it like molly
1: less than weed <laughs> less than molly more than a cigarette less than alcohol okay gotcha thank you okay we discover that in trends that's i think that's our i don't think that's going ever going to be huge but it's definitely like a, a niche popular thing that you could make a business out of but hallucinogenics man i met this guy who At the lobby, he was like, I just got back from 30 days in Amazon doing ayahuasca. Right. There's this idea that whatever is popular among elite Silicon Valley people, 15 years (laughs) from now will be mainstream. Right. (laughs) Because they're like the rich nerds who like have the time to like try stuff. Do
0: this experimentation.
1: I've never done a hallucinogenic. Right. Me neither. I'm super into it though. Like the idea of it. I want to explore it.
0: What stops you from doing it? Because you're super into it. I'm not that into it. So it makes sense that I haven't done it. You're super into it. Why haven't you tried? Because I don't know who to trust. But even your buddy does it,
1: right? Yeah, but we he's a weirdo. Name a name, but. And, I, and, I, and I tell him, I don't know if I can trust you because you're extreme. Okay. So, like, I, if I could find like a normal person who could be like, uh, yeah, this one uh, is a little like too much. Like, if you
0: could go into a clinic and you're like, great, under supervision in this cool environment, if it looked like, like a spa,
1: yeah. And so I would went, you want that? Yeah, I would love that. And I went to a session where I was I met with a guy who was going to take me through the process, and I got into an argument with him because he was talking to me about. I was like, asked him what he did for work, and he like was a former venture capitalist, but then he was talking about how capitalism was horrible and i was like well that, that doesn't so like why are you charging me and so anyway we got in a fight over like values <laughs> and so it kicked me out of the group okay but i was almost on the verge of trying it so i'm really interested in we discovered kava or we talked about kava and trends i think the ketamine crazy interesting right. I, I think these things are going to be much bigger
0: and there's a related trend of this like kin euphorics. Have you heard of this? It's a basically there's a trend of non-alcoholic. Oh drink. yeah. So they're non-alcoholic drinks. And what they are is I think kin euphorics has like some I don't know what chemicals they put in, but it's supposed to give you some kind of buzz without being alcohol.
1: Yeah, we covered sort of the non-alcoholic toxin. stuff as well. So non-alcoholic beverages. I've drank non-alcoholic beverages now for about eight years. I drink non-alcoholic beer regularly. I like it.
0: Like what? Like a ginger beer type of thing? What? what no,
1: Oduls was for the longest time, has been the only one. But over the past three years, Heineken has introduced some Japanese brands have come about. It's a little more popular in Japan. So the Japanese brands have come to America. Right, There's been a lot of new variety. And that's a growing trend that we actually have already written a report on is non-alcoholic beverages. And interestingly, Gen Z is drinking significantly less than millennials. And
0: Yeah, exactly. I think I've seen that trend firsthand. And then when I saw you guys write about that, it made a lot of sense to me.
1: But Heineken, the CEO of Heineken said that the fastest growing category is, they call it 0.0. It, that's the name of their brand, okay. it is these 0.0 beers. Non-alcoholic beers. Non-alcoholic beer. But they even have some that are non-alcohol and no calorie.
0: <laughs> and no drink. Yeah. <laughs> you just <laughs> it's all do air. nothing. You
1: All right, I got another
0: one. All right, so what if I told you that I could give you some IP, IP intellectual property like Star Wars, Pokemon, Hello Kitty, whatever? I could give you globally famous IP. Billions of people recognize this IP and I could give it to you for free and I could let you build a business around this IP at no charge. Would that be something you're interested in? (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Okay, religion. So I sort of had this realization the other day, wanted to buy a gift for my niece and I was like, what did I used to like when I was little? I loved Where's Waldo books and I was like, Where's Waldo? And I just went down the rabbit hole of like, who the hell made that? What is this? How is this so popular? Blah, blah, blah. Sort of thought, what's the modern day Where's Waldo? Could somebody create a new Where's Waldo? Waldo book right, so same premise, just finding pictures in a book because kids love books, but reading is tough, right? So <laughs> this picture book is actually pretty cool because it's like yeah. active—you don't just like flip through the pages. Who,
1: do we think- Who owns Waldo? That. Probably like. So I, I read about the guy who made it. I
0: forgot his name, but yeah, he, you know, whatever. A publisher owns it.
1: Probably crushed it.
0: And they crushed it. And I was like, what if you made a new Where's Waldo? I was like, well, part of the magic was that Waldo was this character that just worked. And I was like, what character could you use? And I was like, what if you did this with religion? Because the other thing my sister always wants is to introduce culture to her kids in a way that they like, that is playful, that's fun, that's interesting. And so I was like, my family is like Hindu, right? So they have Hindus like 100 different gods. Oh, this would be cool. You basically have this page with a bunch of different little. You know, drawings. Like stories, and you're trying to find. Gods. Yeah, you're trying to find Hanuman, and you're trying to find this
1: god, and you're trying Does to find anyone that. Own, god. Can anyone own? Anybody
0: can use gods' images, likenesses, and names, because nobody owns the religious IP. Hence, my starter of what if you could use globally famous IP for free for profits? So, I believe that there's a set of businesses. The Where's Waldo one is just a goofy version of this, but the better version, the version I've thought about starting, is to do calm, but for religion. I don't know if we already talked about this, but like daily prayer, daily sermon, daily Bible passage, daily whatever. These apps are quite popular. And so if you use the calm model of audio, premium and freemium audio, and every day you could have five minutes of faith where you would just listen to a prayer or a sermon. From that's awesome. Your religion. So I think this could be a really big business. That's I was awesome. very close to going and starting this one, but it's not a founder fit for me. Like I'm, I don't even believe in religion. So if somebody out there wants to do this, I will help you do this. I've, I put a lot of thought into how you would do this, how you would grow it. But I think religion generally as a free source of popular IP is like an untapped
1: so, opportunity. Uh, that's awesome. Two comments. There's this set of Googlers, ex-Google people. They either, I think they emailed me. After our podcast, who were Christians, and they created like a Christian meditation app. Have you heard about yes, this? A Halo or something? All right. someone messaged me after our podcast, and they told me the numbers, and it was astronomical.
0: Yeah, I've seen. I've seen their numbers. They are really good. It validates <laughs> this idea. They're doing it for Christians. Somebody else can do it for Catholics.
1: But uh, is it just a Christian meditation thing? Uh,
0: it's exactly what I just described. It's a daily Christian meditation, which is basically like a prayer, and uh, you hit the Amen button when you're done, and you could sh- <laughs> share it. And people love sharing. really religious shit on Facebook anyway so it grows some or somewhat organically through
1: that so when I think of like business ideas I like to think of from a distribution first yes so how do you get users? The advertising rates on Christian and w- without judgment, but let's just say conservative websites, stupidly low. Right, right. <laughs> Engagement is stupidly high.
0: Right. There is a because lot. Because mainstream brands don't want to associate with some of these super popular conservative Yeah,
1: and the people who typically, because I've bought ads on like religious websites and right-leaning political websites. Where
0: do you even go to do that? You just go direct or there's like an ad network for that?
1: Direct. Okay. Yeah, you can do direct, but like. So like Breitbart, yeah, their marketing. I send them to everyone's emails to understand how they're what they're doing. Yeah, Breitbart has the most aggressive. Like they'll let people buy their their email lists. <laughs> right, they're the most aggressive and the most effective. Like they they sent one email to me that said like from the desk of Nancy Pelosi, and it was like right. a letter written about <laughs> and it said like we're going to come for your guns, so you better donate now or right. like it's whatever. Crazy. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is gonna kill it. So anyway.
0: You can get distribution there.
1: Uh, oh yeah, yeah I cheap, think th- I think that uh, there's a lot of undervalued distribution, but a lot of like the young techies who build this stuff are t- typically on the opposite end of that, so right. they don't even think about that. Right. But it's there.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think. Th- Traditional ad buys, that's a smarter way to ad buy. I think that works because, again, you're charging on the other side through people who pay for the $79 a year subscription. The other thing is, I think through churches you could get distribution. So you give the church the ability to make their own group in this thing and, and let them distribute it. And then it's like, hey, for the people who are not coming to church on Sundays or who want it Monday through Saturday, here's a way they can engage.
1: And the market size for this is like 200 million people. Yeah. Like, only in America and only the Christian one, let alone the other religions. Right,
0: exactly. So I would actually start with Islam for this because uh, there's, uh, there's a couple other like specific
1: app features. There's like, like four billion Islamic people yeah, in the world or and, Muslims in the and world. Also, so like
0: the type of people who start these companies will start with Christianity. So just start on the other side uh, with like a super popular
1: religion. Hindu is kind of cool. It is because you have more characters. But I think that uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, I don't feel like that's the starting point. But maybe. Uh, although when it's like Mormons, like how do you go for the most devout, even if it's a smaller number of people, but like very active. I think
1: uh, Mormonism though that's the fastest growing religion in the world. Yeah, I know, but so, it's like
0: a small base. but
1: Yeah, but that could super, be a good one to attach yourself to.
0: Exactly. So anyways, religion. Okay, what else? That's not really an idea, but it's something to talk about. So ghost kitchens or cloud kitchens. Are you familiar?
1: Yeah, DoorDash. I just saw a photo. Someone drove by a place in Palo Alto and DoorDash had just opened up a kitchen.
0: Yeah. So for those who don't know, a ghost kitchen or a cloud kitchen is basically a restaurant that doesn't have the sort of brick and mortar storefront where you can come in, sit down and get a meal. You can't go there and order. It only exists to make food that gets delivered on Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash and all these delivery apps that are out there now.
1: And Travis Kalanick raised a, well, I don't know if he raised it. He'd probably use his own money, but he allocated something like $500 million to creating ghost kitchens exactly. or services so, for ghost kitchens. So the founder
0: of Uber was like, hey, what's the next big thing? And he was like, these cloud kitchens. And so he, his new company is all about, he's basically going into a city, he's buying up this like real estate that nobody wants, but it's very centrally located and kind of useless today. But what he's doing is converting it into kitchens and letting sort of food entrepreneurs come in, make food, create these digital restaurant brands that only are optimized for delivery. So awesome. you would do, Things differently, right? So like you would want to make food that is, you know, you'd think delivery first.
1: Like no french fries. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You'd
0: you'd make food that is gonna travel well. You'd package it, you'd put a lot more money into packaging because you're not spending money in other areas. And you don't
1: need to buy all the furniture for a restaurant.
0: And you can make money by partnering with delivery companies to say, hey, you should actually pay us to be on your network because we bring this awesome set of delivery-optimized food to you. So in fact, you should be paying us per order. To be on your network. Are there any... We are great supply for your network.
1: So, you know who I originally saw was doing this was like a I Chinese know. restaurant owned by a family and they were clearly just like hustlers and they're like, well, let's offer like hot dogs or <laughs> let's like I could tell because it was like the same. There was just a bunch of ways that I'm like, oh, holy crap. That's the That's same, just the same thing. They, they it. just, it's like, these are, this is a Chinese family and they're making Mexican right. food. So a- Anyway, I saw them doing that. But what I'm curious about is, is there one brand that is like, well, like a? there
0: isn't today yet.
1: But there will be, there will be
0: exactly. So it's still in that early phase where all the fundamentals are there. So what's changed? These delivery apps have spent, I don't know, probably upwards of a billion dollars paying to get installed on a bunch of people's phones. And they're training people that, hey, don't go out to restaurants order in, and because ordering in is now super convenient, really easy to do on your phone. And so anyways, they're training people and they're getting installed. That's your distribution. They need restaurants that are going to plug into their networks because they want to offer their customers better food. And so you have a good value proposition for them. You say, hey, wouldn't it be great if you had a central pickup point where you could pick up from all these different providers and we're centrally located in the city, so you could provide really fast delivery. What if we optimize our packaging and our foods that's traveled really well? Wouldn't we be a good partner to work with over you know, a restaurant who's doing delivery as like a second thing or a side thing. The next thing you could do is you could test different concepts really quickly. So you could see, should I just make a hot dog only brand or a mac and cheese only restaurant? And like you try the brand and if nobody's ordering from it, you just take it down and you just do new cuisine the next day.
1: I had a hot dog stand and what I did was I would like, I don't know what people want. So I would have an idea, go and buy ingredients for only one day.
0: Right. Exactly, <laughs> and so and a lot of people who are great at making food are really bad at running business, and so they don't—they're not great at picking the right location for a restaurant, running the operations, managing the cash flow, and all the stuff. A lot of them flock to food trucks for this reason because it's like a simpler kind of business in a box. I think this is even simpler.
1: Yeah, and uh, way more lucrative. Way more lucrative because you can be nationwide. Exactly, with,
0: like any concept that works in one city, you want to take to other cities because. Someone who owns these cloud kitchens will say, great, you want to expand? I already have infrastructure in 12 different cities. Just either you staff up or franchise your concept to other people.
1: I'm incredibly interested in this. If anyone is actually pursuing this, I would like to know about it. So there's
0: a few people pursuing it that we know of, but I bet that there's a lot more. And I bet there's other angles to this that I'm not thinking about. So if anybody's really interested in this, uh, reach out because we want to talk to you. Who's pursuing it? So Travis is like the kind of the main one that I know that's doing this. The, the
1: it, it's co- obvious. If that guy, if he is into this, it's like. Right.
0: And he oh. saw the Uber Eats numbers early on and was like, oh, shit, this is going to be really big business. And so.
1: so and that, I just saw an one. interview with Tillman Fertitta, you know, Tillman Fertitta. Yeah. And he was saying his restaurants are hurting a little bit because of the how big delivery is.
0: Exactly. And And I think people love
1: the convenience. He was like, I was shocked. People actually are ordering because he owns Morton Steakhouse. He goes, people aren't coming into our restaurants as much, but we're still doing really well because they're buying it and bringing it home.
0: Right. So I actually ran a restaurant like this back in the day. This was my first startup. Sushi, right? Sushi restaurant. And we got famous because we were the restaurant without a restaurant where we were delivery only. But this was before Uber Eats, before Postmates. They didn't exist. So we were trying to get people to come to our website to order. And that was just very hard. Whereas every night, me or my wife opens up Postmates pretty much and we kind of scroll through and it's like, ah, oh, do you want to order or should we cook something? And so if our sushi restaurant had been on there, we would have been getting free customers.
1: What do you think is the best? Okay, so what food is good delivered? Uh, sushi
0: is actually pretty good delivered because sushi is meant to be served room temperature. It's also packaged in a very like tight <laughs> wrap so it doesn't like sort of get loose and messy and stuff like that.
1: But anything potato based is not. Have you? ever
0: I, didn't notice that, I like, know someone or... who
1: worked at Uber Eats and they had a phrase called keep your eye on the fry <laughs> and they had a whole team dedicated to McDonald's for the right. french fries
0: so the main one is obviously pizza right so pizza is the most delivered food people love pizza so you really want to work backwards from that like what do people order the most and so the question is like the Domino's, pizza huts of today like of tomorrow I bet we'll get started here. Either those brands will start delivering and and make this a big part of their business, or somebody will create a new pizza brand optimized for this. Maybe they don't sell full pies. Maybe it's half, or I don't know. You'd have to think through what would it, what should pizza be. You'd have to think back from scratch. But
1: I think this is pizza.
0: Pizza is uh, the biggest delivery item. I, I'm
1: going to post about this in the group. I think it's actually bigger than I ever would imagine. We recently wrote about this. If if you invested a dollar in Domino's IPO versus Google's IPO, you would have made like five yeah, times I more. Yeah, I saw
0: that chart. You you posted that chart. It was like Domino's Domino's is the is the line that's up into the right
1: and, and Google every, Facebook is right. just cuz they were valued really high right off the bat or higher. Do you
0: know what's causing that? Why is Domino's stock been going up so much? Are they just
1: They're they crushing they it on marketing and they do they are quite innovative for the space like they do like little cutesy things that is they're like we're testing this new mobile oven so it's going to show up even hotter right. which who knows if that works but it makes you want to buy it
0: yeah they're pretty forward-thinking That's yeah
1: cool. i love it i had the app and their app
0: is phenomenal it's like yeah. so easy to order the tracker is amazing yeah it's it like, is it's easy in the to order. oven it's coming you know five minutes from now here it just left the store it's going to be at your door in seven minutes
1: yeah they're great so this is interesting to me i'm incredibly interested in this it sounds and this sounds kind of like a fun thing you and i both owned Food businesses, right? <laughs> I found that to be almost more rewarding than traditional internet things.
0: I found it to be way harder than everything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I don't know about rewarding, but it made the least money of anything I've ever done. I learned the most, but it was also the hardest. Yeah, uh, and I also feel like when we're in this tech bubble, it's very easy to like lose touch with like. <laughs> Reality and how most people's job works how the sausage gets made all that stuff And there's like a different level of respect appreciation and like understanding because you know working in service industry for a bit I have a question for you. So do you use any of these book summary apps or
1: anything like that? I was thinking about that today. What were you thinking about? I think those are stupid Okay, tell me why
0: What type of Blinkist action? Blinkist, right So like That's um, cool
1: I think they're cool companies They'll do really well it's So what's really,
0: stupid You don't like it as a user
1: I'm not like that artistic of a guy But sometimes I think like You gotta read it to understand Like the, <laughs> the new Like you gotta like Really read the thing To right. get it But The efficiency part of me Is like Oh, it's kind of cool Right uh, So uh, I I have mixed feelings on it But I do think I would invest my time into it Or money into Something like that Because I think it Can work
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking about Doing this for fun So I started reading more because ever since our company got acquired, there's these hours of the night that used to be like grind mode that I'm like, well, I don't really need to put that into my job. I'll put that into this podcast. I'll put that into like reading and learning and things like that. So I'm reading these books that I'm like, if I could summarize this for people, would that be useful? And so
1: the answer is definitely yes.
0: There's something kind of like off about it, right? Like, why did you say it's stupid? Like, how do I make it less stupid?
1: Well, I think there's a few things. The first thing is, so Otis Chandler, the founder of Goodreads, spoke at our event. Yep. Cool company, really cool company. I think it's actually bigger than they sold for a hundred million dollars. I think it's actually way bigger than to that Amazon. Now. Yeah, yeah. And then BookBub, you know BookBub. No, they advertise with us and they spend a lot of money with us, and the results are really great. And what they've done is, it's a huge company now, or it's a startup. It's like basically an email for people who like kindle books and they set out some free ones some paid ones and they're just an aggregator of cool stuff and then some publishers will pay money to get their free book like when a new release happens they'll yep. make it free for like a, a day yeah just to get the get a bunch of ratings the book space i think that's growing like crazy anything book related Right, is I would put my name on for sure, or or want to be part of. Right, that's one of the things we talked about with the whole Gen Z thing was that they're reading more than ever. But it does feel weird. I found myself whenever I read books, particularly, uh, I've always wanted to look up the characters significantly more. And you told me about with what you were doing with Blab, you were trying to do the same thing where you wanted to create communities around TV shows. Mm-hmm. I have found myself wanting to do that for books. I've not found a solution for that.
0: Right, right, right. And you read what you read? Like you read a lot of biographies, right? You're...
1: I read a ton of biographies. And yeah.
0: Do you read anything else?
1: yeah i like to read fiction like fiction, cla- yeah. american classics okay. catcher in the rye things like that
0: i don't know what i'm gonna do but i'm gonna do something here because i'm reading these books and i'm like oh a good way for me to even just digest this is to try to like distill it down into the most interesting bits and be able to explain it like if i can teach it that means i've learned it and so i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna experiment and i'm gonna see if i can make something that i would want if i was the reader like i, I the
1: make it or break it though is the model that you choose because there's like the affiliate model but you're going to be earning 4% on a $8 thing. That's right. silly.
0: Oh, I'm not even thinking about the business right now. I just want to put out, put the content out there and see if people like
1: it. There's this guy out. named Nat and I came across his blog. He's always popping up on my Twitter feed and he just started doing what you did where he summarized books. And then he just said, you could buy all my summaries for a hundred dollars. And I think he's selling uh, <laughs> a ton of them.
0: <laughs> okay, nice. I'll check that out. Yeah. There's something to this. I don't know what it is. Okay. That's like a half-baked idea, but I'm going to do something there. Do you have anything else that you've been saying that's interesting?
1: Uh, No, but (laughs) follow-ups on... Follow-ups, yes. Okay, so last time we talked about Shopify. Yes. So I got a lot of criticism. People said the reason why WordPress is why you can build a theme businesses around WordPress and software stuff around WordPress is because WordPress makes up 35% of the internet. Yep. They told me, and I multiple people cited this, they go, Shopify only makes up 2% of the e like store market. Yeah. And WooCommerce is actually significant, bigger. way bigger. Which is crazy to Which me. Which is crazy to me. 100% crazy. Well, yeah, what is that? So I got a lot of criticism for that. But I, I know that's what the numbers say, but that doesn't sit right.
0: Yeah, something seems off about that.
1: The second thing is agencies. We talked about agencies. So a friend of mine who has a $50 million a year agency hollered and he wants Ad to
0: agency, creative agency? Creative
1: agency, okay. which sounds like a miserable thing to do. I think that it sounds like a horrible company so He
0: reached out he said
1: yeah he wants to come and fill us in on all the on the economics and what
0: do you want to know so uh,
1: is it so here's why agencies are interesting to me one I think they're easy to start like it's like a straightforward thing someone needs a service and you say okay I can here's my portfolio I've been able to solve for this. And they say, okay, we'll give you a shot. We'll pay you money. And then you just go out and find talented people who can execute on the work. It's super straightforward. And it's actually interesting because if you start an agency, you actually will discover that there, there's ways, like I know a guy who has an agency that does 50 million in revenue. It's quite profitable, 20 million in profit. And with all the profit, he invests in cool things that he's discovered with the agency. That's
0: this guy or there's a different
1: person? A different guy. That okay. guy who I'm talking about who invests in stuff, it, that's called Metalab. His name called Tiny Capital. Oh yeah, you talked about that. But I'm talking about Brendan, my friend Brendan who has, he sold his company to an agency where he's now a partner, and it's called Mechanism. Okay, it's a 300 person agency, and it seems hard. It seems really right. hard. Okay. but, I th- but uh, we'll
0: get him on. We'll check it out. We'll see
1: because uh, it's like there's like a few things that everyone starts when they're first getting going. The first thing is like they're like, how do we create like a roommate matching thing? Right, everyone has that idea, <laughs> and I've done it.
0: To do list, <laughs> yeah, to
1: do list, and then like a Dead college invoicing. How do we sell our products to college kids? Like right. like like okay, like all this is like, and then it's like. A social media agency, right? So um, but <laughs> Common a, ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to hear more about this agency stuff
0: uh, The other thing that came to mind for me with dogs was I was like, okay Given that 44% of people own a dog, what problem am I having as a dog owner? Maybe somebody could solve it. It's not a business I would want to start, but a product I want to buy is I take my dog for a walk here in the city. City's filthy. Dog comes back in. My wife demands that we wash the dog's paws. So what are
1: going to make? Socks?
0: I don't know. It could be anything. It could be socks. Kitten it could mittens. be a little jacuzzi that I put her feet in to like wash her feet real quick. When no, come back.
1: it's obviously socks.
0: Is Yeah, it's got to be some kind of easy thing because I'm so sick of this like mini bath I have to give my dog twice a day.
1: What happens when you Google dog socks? I haven't googled dog socks I don't know I would like to see what is on top yeah
0: and I just want something that's like I don't want to put shoes on my dog so like yeah maybe more like socks or like even just like a really thin like you know transparent little plastic thing that I could put on her feet just tear away when we're done I don't know I need something because I'm sick of washing my dog's
1: paws so you just interviewed the guy who started BarkBox yeah that's coming out in a couple weeks yeah okay are there any stats that blew you away?
0: Doing $250 million in revenue. Shit, really? <laughs> for a year. I believe they're profitable, yeah. They raised 50, $50-something million bucks and total lifetime, and they've been doing this for a while, so I, th- I think they're probably doing well. Profitability, I think, at that stage is more of a choice. It's like, do we have good ideas to go invest in, or do we want to optimize for profits?
1: Well, they uh, own like... A bunch of stuff
0: they do a bunch of different things yeah, so they do the, they do these subscription
1: boxes and then they do they, one-off selling stuff i mean they, they have a bunch of little
0: yeah they're doing a bunch of things the other part i really liked from his story was they kind of invented the dog influencer on instagram trend so he was like you know it's kind of unclear but it was definitely early when, i follow a before, ton of those before guys. that was a thing yeah i follow a bunch of cute dogs that like are like my dog.
1: My wife cried the other day when one of her dog influencers died. Yeah, <laughs> I've had literally the same experience.
0: It's crazy. <laughs> and so they kind of, they basically started promoting all those dogs. They were like, hey, you're a cute dog. We will promote you. And in turn, you promote our products. And they started this like affiliate thing early on. And, and it just became great content. For
1: that people. sounds like the greatest company to work at. To be able to do that all day. That sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, if you're like a pet lover, they're hiring. So, <laughs> so anyways, we'll see when that comes out. All right, we should wrap up. Anything you want to leave people with? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're done. See ya.